What's up, Packers fans? Aaron Nagler here, ready to talk some football with Andy Herman, the Don of the Pack-A-Day podcast and purveyor of fine Packers takes everywhere. Andy, the Packers kicked the Vikings' ass. What do you know about that? Man, that was so freaking fun. What a way to end the year. You bookend the years January 1st last year with a win against the Vikings, December 31st this year with a win against the Vikings. Um, man, Jordan Love, I obviously just start there. What right. a freaking game from him. Unbelievable. There were multiple times where I had to just pause, like his autonomy at the line of scrimmage, his understanding of exactly where to go with the football, um, his playmaking ability, just we, I think we talked about last week, this sort of being like a, a test after everything you saw all season, yep. this is a good defense and man, talk about passing it with flying colors. He, he knew everywhere to go with the ball in every situation. He, like, all right, the, the flats open. All right. Easy flat throw to, to Tucker craft. All right. We gotta, we gotta bail out of the pocket a little bit and throw over the top. All right. Bo Melton's going to be down there. We're going to throw it to, to Bo Melton in those situations. Just an answer to every question that that Vikings defense asked. And it was, it was a joy to watch him just perform at that level. One of the things too, I kept thinking in that game, hearkening back to a couple times, we've talked about the fact that everything we've seen from him from the, basically the last time they faced the Vikings, right? That's probably yeah. his last really poor performance. You look at the work he's done since then. And there have been on, you know, a couple of occasions you and I have mentioned, imagine what he could do with a running game. Well, now you add in Aaron Jones, these last two weeks, Jones ripped off like the only the second time that the, the Vikings have allowed a 20 plus yarder, like ripped that off at uh, when they were backed up in their own end. I mean, they were doing a really nice job, not committing to the ground game, but utilizing the running game just enough. Keep them ahead of the sticks. Keep that defense honest. And I thought Jordan thrived off of that. I mean, the addition of Aaron Jones has opened things up just at the spot when they really needed it because of the injuries at wide receiver. I mean, you're talking about Jordan Love, and he's doing all of that. Everything you were just talking about, you know, no Watson, no Wicks, no Musgrave, loses Reed pretty much again halfway through the game, much like he lost yeah. Wicks down in Carolina. It doesn't matter. It's like he's throwing to Bo Melton. He's throwing to Romeo Dobbs. He's throwing to Malik Keith. It doesn't matter. That's what's – not only impressive on Jordan's part, but you know you got to give kudos to Matt Lafleur and probably Tom Clemens as far as the design of the offense. But the quarterback knowing all those solutions you're talking about, as far as yeah, I see this pre-snap. I understand what you're trying to do to me. There was one particular third down conversion where you know they had the a gap mugged up and the backer bails and they brought pressure from the other side and there's a free rusher to Jordan's right and he knows right where to go with Malik Heath sitting down in the zone, Malik goes forward, first down, drive continues. Those are just solutions that you certainly didn't see at his fingertips earlier this season. Yeah, I'm smiling because I was, I was just beaming watching the game and watching him know all of the solutions and then <laughs> just execute on them. So many things I want to touch on there. First of all, I think Matt deserves a ton of credit. Uh, we talked about in, in weeks past how other offenses just looked a step or two ahead of Joe Barry. In this game, I thought Matt LaFleur just looked a step or two ahead of the Vikings defense all day long and, again, had some of those solutions for Jordan and gave Jordan the opportunity to check out of things at the line to get into some of those situations, which was awesome. You go back to Aaron Jones, one of the interesting um, sort of weird bonus situations is – they, they talked last night about Aaron Jones having fresh legs. He, he hasn't run that much this season. Right. And yeah, he's been a little bit banged up. And I think he's still a little bit banged up, probably got a little bit more banged up last night. But you can tell 
he's got fresh legs and that's something exciting going into this final week of the season where if he is uh, healthy and hopefully didn't have uh, any sort of setback last night, um, that's something that you can still utilize. And then my favorite statistic from last night's game for a variety of different reasons was Bo Melton being the first player for the Packers going over hundred <laughs> so yards. One, because great. it's such a cool story for Bo Melton, but number two, we are in week 17 of the season and this is the first time it's happened. And why I think that's so amazing is, Hey, listen, there's nobody in the world that wouldn't love Devonte Adams back on any team in the NFL, but there were times where you saw, um, especially with Aaron where, and listen, if I were QB, I would be spamming Devonte Adams every <laughs> as well. No right. question about it, right. but you got a little Devonte Adams vision at times. And what I love about Jordan and this offense is they have a plethora of weapons. And like you said earlier, sometimes it doesn't even necessarily matter who's out there. Who's the open guy? Who is the play designed to go to go through your progressions? And guess what? Sometimes it's Tucker. Sometimes it's Reed. Sometimes it's Watson or Dobbs or Wicks or whoever it might be. And you end up with this situation where everyone gets fed. It might not be anyone getting this explosive. You know, it sucks for fantasy players, I guess. But <laughs> right. Outside of that, everyone's involved in the offense. And I thought when you see it spread out last night and yes, Melton got the, the hundred yarder at the end, but it is so fun to watch when everyone's just doing their one eleventh, and it's just within the realm of the offense. That that's what I'm so excited by. Well, and that's taken some getting used to on my part, just personally. As far yep. as I, I'll know, I know you remember when Rogers was still in town, and say they would be out without MVS, right? And the entire nature of the offense would change. Yeah, and it really lacked just uh, explosiveness, uh, another outlet out, outside of Adams, etc. With this offense, it doesn't matter who's out. Like yeah. even like Christian Watson going down after the explosive games he had against the Lions and Chiefs, and you're like, boy, I don't know, man. I don't know how they're going to operate without him, given what he gave them in those games. But they just keep sending waves of wide receivers out there who all do the job, and yeah. you know, they're probably not as dynamic and not as explosive. But man, the offense in as an entity just seems to adapt week by week. And again, that is a credit to LaFleur. There is zero doubt about it. Um, when I turn it around and look at the defense, which we have to do, um, <laughs> it was fascinating watching how differently they operated for much of the night because of the fact that Valentine and Valentine were at corner, back to playing a lot more zone. Uh, you didn't see much press, much man at – you know, I'm not going to say all night, but very limited amounts. Um, but Barry was very clearly, I don't know if he was asked to do this, maybe told to do this, or if this is of his own volition. But, man, there were so many different pressure looks coming off of uh, whatever they were trying to do as far as you know, sending Quay Walker or Keyshawn Nixon from, coming from the slot. I mean, but they were so – they weren't – It wasn't again, it wasn't spamming it, but it was clear that they – had the idea that whoever was back there at quarterback, they were going to get them behind the sticks come hell or high water. Yeah, I like that. That was a big part of the defensive performance. It was just a little bit more creative, you know, creativity and ingenuity, which we've been asking for. I love the slot, you know, blitzes from Nixon. Um, the couple of the the linebacker blitzes from Quay Wilson came a, a couple of times. I think McDuffie came as well. Right. Uh, I, I just think they showed different looks and threw that at them. I also thought. And I'd be curious your thoughts on this as well. As I was going back, I watched all the all 22 on defense already. Um, haven't jumped into the offense quite yet, but it it almost had like this uh, aura of like, we're not going to try to do too much. And it, like outside, you had some of the blitz stuff, which was really great. And I loved it. But a lot of the other stuff was everyone just kind of playing and doing their job and doing their role. 
And there was a couple times where Gary got a little over aggressive and, and left his side open. I think we almost like bookmarked the game on one of the first and last plays of the game with that. There's a couple times where guys got out of their assignments. But I thought overall that that defensive performance was one of the most assignment sure. I saw better communication. There was a time where there was a, a, a three-layer um, route and the, the defense all communicated it. And all three guys were on the exact same page. And you maybe miss some of the, the, the star power and the playmaking with Jair not out there, or, you know, with a first-round pick of Eric Stokes and some of those sort of things. But with this sort of no-name defense and guys just kind of doing their, their job and what they were supposed to and not being asked to do too much, I kind of liked how this is one of the first games I thought it looked like 11 guys kind of on the same page and everyone knowing what everyone else was going to do. Um, I mean, interesting your thoughts on that and then how you sort of come back this week, knowing that you've got to reintegrate Jair into this defense in all likelihood and just kind of now you're going up against a much different Bears offense. Yeah, I, I see exactly what you're talking about. What was impressive to me was you're talking about assignment sure and the communication being, I mean, in a really tough environment too. I mean, I yeah. know they're operating on offense, so it's not like there's the din like when the Packers are on offense, but it is, you know, it, you're on the road and you've got to communicate and they did. And it didn't drop off once McDuffie got hurt, which is, nope. I, I was really kind of curious if that would happen with Wilson in there, who I thought acquitted himself fine. You know, like, I don't think he had a lights out game or anything, but it wasn't like all of a sudden there was a weak, chink in the armor no, that they could absolutely all. attack you know what i mean they they didn't they were assignment sure and they were sound as far as like spinning it forward and looking at sunday against the bears yeah the jair piece is interesting right because one of the reasons it seems to work with valentine and valentine is exactly what you're talking about like they're not trying to be overly aggressive on the perimeter they're funneling everything and trying to keep it in front of them and yep. to your point about the the routes where or the route where you know you have three guys attacking a space right and the communication on the back end to know who's got what that is a piece that I'm kind of fascinated to see once Jair gets back in there what that looks like because the Vikings literally took advantage of Jair and that's that exact type of situation week one last year in that yeah. building so that's the thing where I think Getsy in Chicago he knows what type of player Jair is and I I I'll bet he does the same thing Shanahan used to do when the Packers played the 49ers regularly is he's going to try and take advantage of his aggressiveness. I don't doubt there's, that'll happen early in the game, probably two or three times just to test him. You know, he's, he's coming off suspension. He, he's going to be, you know, hyped up to try and make a play probably. And I think they're going to try to take advantage of that. I don't know if that's going to be successful, but that would be my guess. Right. And yep. as far as like, I, I'm sure you've gotten it on your social media. I've certainly got it on mine. As far as Joe Barry saving his job last night, I'm not ready to say that. Uh, okay. I don't. Th I don't think we're anywhere close to that happening yet. But you know, hey, if they go on a run and they play lights out defense for the next five games, which is the number of games I think it would take, then yeah, maybe Joe saves his job. But we're not close to that happening yet. So I'm not. I'm not too ready to like dive into that possibility. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And if that um, happens during the Super Bowl, so yeah, yeah exactly. you're willing to take the trade exactly. off at that exactly. point. Exactly, so. my point. Um, but, you know, we're talking about 
offense, defense, got to talk about special teams. Uh, the Samari Torre thing, I mean, why do they always feel the need to outthink themselves? Like, wh- because, like, when you see it happen, I'm thinking, where's Nixon? Okay, maybe Nixon needs a breather or he's hurt or whatever. But then, literally, like, four plays later, they're in the end zone and the Vikings are kicking off and there's Nixon. Yeah. On the return. So what are we doing? Like, and I know Bisaccia is a good coach. I know he's a good coach. But, man, you see decisions like that. And I'm, uh, uh, Yeah, throw in a cold Samari Torre. What are we doing? I don't. That's so frustrating to me. And it's a double failure to me because one, so it feels to me like they have two punt returners. Jaden Reed is their more safe returner. Not that he can't return, like have a right. dynamic return, but he's their more safe returner. And if they need a little bit of a spark, because I, I think Reed catches it so freaking clean every single time. Yep. Nixon's a little bit more of an adventure. I get that. I understand <laughs> that. <laughs> yes, um, he but he also has the ability to be that explosive dynamic returner. And I'm sure uh, the fumble he had a couple weeks ago was maybe playing some sort of factor in here. I'm sorry. Give me the experienced guy back there yeah, rather than a, a exactly. cold Samori Toure. That, that, that never made sense. That's number one. That's that's issue number one. Number two is how Samori Toure in that situation doesn't have just a you're fair catching this sort of yep. thing like on in that situation, yep. especially in his first time back. Like, hey, don't do anything. Fair catches. If anyone even remotely near you, you're fair catching this thing. Um, and for him to try to field that and do whatever and then he drops it and it, like just a twofold mistake where when you've got that sort of lead and listen, if you want to give somebody an opportunity at that point, okay, whatever. But like, again, you have to communicate with him. There's anyone around you. This has to be a fair catch situation. Uh, maybe he just didn't listen. I doubt that's the case, but yeah. um, just a weird decision overall. Well, and to your point, I mean, just fair catch it, especially against a team that has a gunner who is like famous awesome. for what he, the work he does as a gunner. Like yeah. you, like that is one of their few like bright spots last night, as far as the play on the field for the Vikings. The other part of teams that I, I don't, I kind of found interesting this morning going back and watching the game. And I didn't realize because last night someone asked me, Oh, is, you think Carlson's kicking for the Packers next year? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then I, you know, heard the note that he's not only, coming into this game, leading the league with missed extra points with four, but then he missed another one to extend that lead to five missed extra points. And I'm thinking, okay, I know what the Packers have said, and I know that is their preference to play the long game, right, to have the long view, especially on a night or in an afternoon where you saw Mason Crosby miss a 54-yarder pretty badly um, when this kid has been, like, nailing the long ones and the hard ones, supposedly, but, like, missing these extra points – it makes me think, okay, yeah, no, this is their plan. They're going to stick with this kid. With, he's got a leg, and he can do it. But, man, those are – that's a lot of missed extra points. And it yeah. doesn't – if it's still happening in week 17, I'm thinking, man, maybe this kid's not so safe. And maybe – I'm not saying they, like, completely cut him loose or anything like that. But you got to think there's probably going to be some competition in camp next year. You nailed it. That's the exact word I was looking at. And I don't know if like you, like Brian's going to have a million picks in next year's draft. Like if there's <laughs> right. one sitting available in the seventh round, do they take Please one? Please don't. I know if they draft a kicker, I will. I, Packer man is not safe. I can't handle. I just wanted to see your reaction on that one. Yeah, but even no. if it's an undrafted guy, whatever it might be, um, you just bring in somebody to, to compete in camp. And listen, sometimes you spend a third round pick on Brett Conway and sometimes you get the <laughs> undrafted guy, undrafted guy and Ryan Longwell and the undrafted guy is better. So, um, oh, man, you know, pull. pick up, pick up an undrafted guy. Maybe he outcompetes Carlson in camp. And maybe that just pushes Carlson to be even better. And he ends up being the guy, but I did the double take too last time when I was like, that was his fifth mess extra point. I'm like, that's, that is a that's lot of missed extra points. That that that's can't happen. Unbelievable. 
Um, and I know last week was like, I went back and watched this one because last week there was a high snap. It wasn't a great hold because right. of the high snap. And I'm willing to give a little bit more forgiveness, especially when he's crushing 50 yarders after that last game. But um, this one was clean snap, clean hold. Everything looked good. Um, I, maybe the timing was off. I don't know. I don't care that much. Um, but uh, you still got to find a way to push that through the uprights and five missed extra points for whatever reason uh, can't happen. And that's I think it, you have to look at something, at least from a competition standpoint next year. We're looking ahead to this Bears game. We touched on it a little bit, but I'm telling you, man, this Bears defense is legit, and it's interesting. We talked last week, like, this is the final test for Jordan Love as far as this two-week gauntlet, if you will, between going into Minnesota, facing that defense, which, you know, banged up, no doubt about it, but it's not like the Packers are a picture of health. But to pass that test with such flying colors feels so great now to have him get this final game in Lambeau against a team he took apart back in week one, but is playing exponentially better, especially on the defensive side of the ball. The addition of Montez Sweat has really just changed all the equations in Chicago to my eyes. This is going to be a tough game, and I don't doubt for a moment. You know, we've gotten a couple 33 burgers up on the scoreboard, you know, these last two weeks. I'm thinking this game, depending on the weather, obviously, I don't know what the forecast is yet, but this is probably more in, like, the 20 to 17 range is what I'm thinking. Like, this is going to be the, – the points are going to be hard to come by because, like I said, the Bears are playing really well on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, this is going to be, I think, a, a black and blue, old-fashioned NFC North or NFC Central type of game between the the, the Packers and the Bears. I, I am so freaking excited for this game. I cannot wait to be there. You get another playing game. It's an opportunity to learn from your mistakes a season ago against Detroit. I can promise you that mm-hmm. Chicago is going to send the message uh, to their players of what Detroit did a season ago and how that catapulted them this season and uh, really made them, you know, you know, kind of go from that upset in in Lambeau to, to knock the Packers out of the playoffs to go into Kansas City in week one the next year and then all of a sudden they're NFC North champions. So I'm sure that message is being sent. I'm sure they would love to knock Green Bay out. I forget which player it was on Chicago, but I know a couple of weeks ago they were already talking that they got something up their sleeve for the oh, Packers in yeah. week 18. They already talking. had this game circled. This yep. is going to be something. Uh, and again, we talked about but you know earmarking the year, uh, the, the calendar year with the Vikings. You now earmark the or bookmark the 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 season with the bears, you, you got a huge win in Chicago week one um, felt like it set the bears back. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got a, a bears team that's been super impressive, super hungry. They've done a phenomenal job. It sucks to say, but they've done a phenomenal job of turning that franchise around uh, mid season. You had like, there was a point where they had like the, the weirdo allegations with coordinators. They couldn't do oh, anything man. on offense, firing people mysteriously. It was yeah. Unbelievable <laughs> to go from that to the way that they've played football this past month and a half is unfortunately been super impressive. And now green Bay has this pretty tough hurdle to pass. And when you have nothing to play for like Chicago, um, they're playing with house money and, and to play spoiler that this is going to be a really, really tough game. I can't wait to see how Green Bay responds to it, especially after they had this playing opportunity a year ago, couldn't get the job done. Can they do it this year? Speaking of Chicago, what are your feelings on on fields? Um, because we've talked a lot, we've talked about the Bears defense. Uh, yeah. It's going to be fascinating to see, A, how Joe Barry plays him comparative to week one and comparative to what this kid has done over the course of the last three or four <laughs> weeks. He has played very well. Like, I'm not saying he's been a superstar, but he's played much better than he had earlier in the season. And I think... Again, going back to what we talked about with the insertion of Jair, who knows what happens at inside backer. But, you know, this Luke Getze has got him playing in structure a lot more. And he still makes plays with his legs and things of that nature. But 
Man, you heard the chance if you were watching that game, the Falcons game yesterday, you know, the fan base seems to be behind him. You know, they want him back. What do you think Chicago does there? Because he's good. I don't know if he'll ever be great. Um, but they've got the number one pick. So it's, it's they're in a fascinating spot. Yeah, I'm hoping they Chicago Bears the heck out of this and somehow find a way to screw up the quarterback position. It's sort of in their historical DNA. Um, they have the, sort of the safe option with Justin Fields. He's playing good football. There is the question of will he ever be able to be the guy that kind of gets you playoff wins and into the Super Bowl, but he's playing much better, and you've put all this time, effort, and energy into him. You've got this incredible – potential player in Caleb uh, Williams that I think is going to be probably their selection. You've got Drake May. Do they go with another UNC quarterback? Like they have so many different options. If they take a quarterback, they probably trade away fields. I don't think there's a way that you can have two of those quarterbacks coexist. I think the thing that changes the calculus for me is if you keep fields, you're going to have to give them that big contract. And like it can, can Caleb Williams come in and basically kind of give you what Fields is giving you right now is probably so, sort of around the floor and doing it at a much cheaper price because you don't have to give him that huge quarterback contract yet, while also recapping draft capital by trading Fields away, probably getting a first round pick for that. That seems the logical way to go, but I get there's a groundswell of momentum to keep Justin in Chicago. He's a good football player. It's not like they've had a series of good football quarterbacks <laughs> in that town. Right. So I, I don't think it's an easy decision, but it, it's, it has the potential to be a, a super franchise altering decision and a real pain in the ass for Packers, because that, that's a team that defensively yes. special teams, their offensive line is gelling. DJ Moore is legit, legit. Like they've got a lot of things going for them. If all of a sudden they get that quarterback spot, right. And all that draft capital free agent money that they have, yeah, I'm not uh, super excited about what that could potentially become. But like I said, they have a, a history of Chicago bearing that that quarterback position. So fingers crossed they find a way to screw it up. They undoubtedly will. Though I will say, it's so it's been so rare, right? Since basically Ron Wolf turned the Packers franchise around, it has been rarefied when the Packers and the Bears are good at the same time. It would like, be it just has not happened a whole hell of a lot. And it would be fun to see these two teams you know, on the come up, so to speak, with young quarterbacks become like legitimately earnest rivals in a way they really just haven't been because the Packers have just kicked their ass for so long. I mean, I'm not hoping for it, but I know what you mean, but it would be cool. I like it would be because it, 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 it's ha- it's just happened so rarely in in this time. Um, so, yeah, this this game's going to be amazing. I think the Packers are in for a tough test. I can't wait to watch all of your coverage leading up to the game. Andy, thank you so much for joining me, man. Hey, right back at you, Aaron. Uh, happy New Year, and uh, thanks as always for having me every week on this.